your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brittle. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. What's up, biohackers? Anthony here, and I am really excited for today's episode. We do it rapid fire style. I have Dr. Stephen Cabral on the show. This man has seen over 250,000 clients in the past two decades. He's in the trenches practicing holistic and naturopathic medicine, and he knows his stuff. And today we discuss biohacking toxic overload, ranging from the types of overlooked toxins that we are exposed to in our environment, through our lifestyle choices, even toxins that come from within our body, and what you can do about it. We talk about lab tests, how to find out what is happening inside your body that could help point to the type of toxins that may be stealing your energy or just holding you back from living your highest and best quality of life. So you guys are going to love this episode. It's shorter than our typical episodes. And um, yeah, Stephen Cabral is a fountain of knowledge and he lets it fly on this one. So without further ado, please sit back, Relax and enjoy today's episode with Dr. Stephen Cabral. Hey, everyone. I know you'll enjoy the interview. If you'd like to learn more of my top biohacking secrets, get a free copy of my best-selling book called The Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus for free at biohackersguide.com. It's over 500 pages of my top biohacks, and I'll send it to you for free if you cover a small shipping cost. Get your free copy at biohackersguide.com. Dr. Stephen Cabral, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being here. <laughs> I'm excited to talk not only because of how many people you've helped and, and you've been in this field for decades, but also because there's a lot of myths, misconceptions around detoxification. In fact, there's a lot of people that even say that detoxing itself is a myth and in medical terms uh, is nonsense. So as a medical doctor, what what do you say to someone who has that position? So yeah, without a doubt. And that's, that's the difference. So I'm actually, I'm a uh, board certified naturopathic doctor. So I just want to, you know, qualify that before our conversation. So um, a licensed medical doctor, they would go to medical school and they would study essentially the same thing as a naturopathic doctor for the first two years. And then that's where we kind of split off and diverge. So naturopathic doctors will study, yes, the, the interactions of pharmaceuticals, but really we know that we'll never be prescribing pharmaceuticals. So we need to figure out a way to help people get better from a natural-based perspective. And the only way to do that is figure out essentially what's going on at a root cause level that a person's not balanced in the first place. Because essentially, the only way you can be sick, you can be tired, you can be overweight or not aging well is if there's some type of imbalance in the body. And so now we have to figure that out. When it really boils down to it, you either have a deficiency or you have a toxicity. That's essentially it. And so what I look for is what are the deficiencies a person has and what are their toxicities? And we do that through functional medicine-based lab testing, which we can talk about if you'd like you know, further on the show. But here's the big thing. Since about the 1950s or so, and yes, it started before that, but the onslaught was the 1950s, which is why a lot of us have grandparents that live to like 90s and 100, whereas now we have people dying much earlier and their quality of life is much poorer. And the reason is, one, well, I should say one of the reasons is there are 77,000 man-made chemicals in the environment. That's the minimum, okay? That's what we know in the United States. Most estimates are well over 100,000 chemicals. Now, these chemicals were made by man, which means our body was never equipped to be able to deal with them properly. 
So our main detoxifying organ is our liver. Yes, the kidneys work, the lungs work, the skin works, all that. But it hinges upon having a good functioning, high quality liver. Now, think of your liver as this, and stop me if I'm going on too long, but your this liver filters all of the blood in your body every six minutes. That's it. Every single, all the blood in your body, every ounce goes through your liver every six minutes maximum. It can get sped up by doing things like coffee enemas and different type of processes, but by filtering the blood through your liver, you're essentially looking at it as like a car filter where you're driving down the highway and you're just vacuuming all that smog and trying to pick it up. Well, over time, your liver can get overwhelmed. So no one's saying that your body's not detoxifying. However, it starts to slow down and isn't able to pick everything up. And we know this because there was this, this study done by the Environmental Workers Group called 10 Americans. You can look this up. They looked at 10 unborn children. That means fetal-based development. And they found the average was over 270 toxins in the unborn child. So you can't tell me that we're not toxic, that we're not you know, removing these things because, I mean, or we're not getting them out as fast as we should. We're not. And the reason is this. Our body, in order to function, needs two main processes with the liver, phase one and phase two detox. All right? That means for phase one to work, you need the proper amount of B vitamins, the proper amount of glutathione, antioxidants, vitamin C, vitamin E, certain things like carotenoids. Now, phase two is more of our sulfur-based amino acids, all right? A lot of people aren't pounding broccoli and all the sulforaphane, and so they're not getting in a lot of the um, sulfur-based uh, sulforaphane. They're not getting in uh, enough glycine and taurine and all these other amino acids that we also need in order to break down, and I don't want to get too deep into it unless you want to, but you have to break down these fat-soluble toxins, make them water-soluble so that you can excrete them through your urine, your stool, your sweat, or huff them off through exercise. So that's basically it. And that's way overlooked. So unless you get deep into functional medicine and naturopathy, you probably haven't heard of this, but it's honestly, it's the missing key that a lot of people aren't getting into. Yeah, this is, this is brilliant. So glutathione plays a huge role in this. Do you have a position on exogenous glutathione? Does it, does it, have you found that to be helpful with clients or um, do you find that sticking more with supplementation and nutritional based interventions to be more effective if, if toxicity is a problem? So I do agree that glutathione is extremely important. That's, that is what we call like the mother antioxidant. That, that's the one that we need to really ramp up. However, even exogenous glutathione at this point, the, there's liposomal glutathione, there's reduced, there's I mean all sorts of different forms of glutathione. There, the, the absorption isn't as great as we would like it to be. And so our body's, to, our body's ability to use that isn't as great. So I do use it. So we have, some, we have our own seven... 14, 21-day detox, and we use it. We use it during that time to ramp things up. But my goal is always, okay, short-term and long-term goals. What do I need this person to do? I need them to produce their own natural glutathione. So what I do is I ramp up everything that would then produce more glutathione, such as the selenium, the zinc, uh, the N-acetylcysteine. And that is what I find to be a better conversion to then make our own glutathione uh, which, in my opinion, works much better in the long run. Because again, short-term results are great. What I care about is helping people feel great for the rest of their life rather than just the next two, three weeks. Absolutely. And so aside from these 77,000 chemicals that are now uh, a part of the world around us, what else has really changed um, dramatically since the 1950s or even the past couple decades that you're seeing have um, a, a, a negative impact on our toxicity and people's health. 
Well, I think there's a couple things. There's the the radiation effect of EMFs and all the electronics around us. And I'm a little worried about the, you know, internet of everything that is coming where we walk through a door and we're being scanned, our phones are being scanned, we're getting all these waves sent through us because you know, this isn't like woo-woo science anymore. This is real deal. When you understand that our body is literally energy, it's legitimately energy. Everything is moving, everything's spinning. Then you can see why other types of energy would affect our own energy. And yes, some people are more guarded than others, but I'm telling you whether you use, you know, the best, um, EMF-based blockers, those types of things in the future, we have to be cognizant that since the, let's say, 70s, 80s, 90s, this has grown every single year. And what I look to do in my practice and with my private wellness clients is we have to control everything we can control because we live in a very chaotic-based environment. So you can't control all these different scanners if you go out, all these things that are happening. But you, what you can control is the food you put in your body, good nutritional supplements, and also downtime. So that's my other thing that's changed is I don't believe humans are necessarily more stressed. I mean, I think we were probably pretty stressed thousands of years ago when we couldn't get any food and our children and families and all that were dying because of starvation. That's pretty stressful, you know, or war. But what I, what I think is missing is that at least they had downtime, meaning that they got to turn the lights off because they didn't have electricity. So, you know, since we don't have 12 hours of basically off time, our nervous systems are cranking at such a high level we can't ramp, um, we can't drop down cortisol, we can't ramp up melatonin, we can't work on this detoxification. That's typically happening from nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night to two in the morning. Yeah, I, I agree. And we're on the same page there. I'm glad that, uh, that you brought up the EMF thing because I, I told myself that I was not going to be the first person to bring it up for like at least a week. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that, you know, the three main categories that I kind of look at toxicity in is you have toxins of choice. That's like the food and, and, you know, alcohol for some people, dairy for a lot of people, grains, you've got environmental toxins. The, the biggest one that's overlooked, I think is, is the EMFs. And the reason being like the, the 77,000 chemicals, I think is a huge problem. And the study that you referenced is, is a good indication of that. But when we look at a lot of the degenerative diseases that um, that are rising at exponential rates, we look around, we're like, okay, so our genes haven't changed, <laughs> or at least not at an exponential rate. And a lot of these other things haven't changed at an exponential rate, but our, our exposure to EMFs has. That's like the one thing that kind of keeps up with it. Where we're like, if, if we're looking for a cause and effect, at least a linear um, correlation, EMFs correlates with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and even some of these thyroid disorders that are that are rapidly on the on the increase. And then um, and then the other one being toxins from within, which I, I summarize largely as infections, your your parasites and bacteria and Lyme. Is there another category of of toxins besides toxins of choice, toxins from within, and um, and, and and environmental toxins that I'm overlooking? No, so I agree with you, and I do agree that EMS follows that pattern. However, there's a few others that also fall along with it, and that's the amount of glyphosate and other types of pesticides mm. sprayed on food. So that is climbed, and they can show you exactly with autism and all these other forms of cancer. And they can also show you from these, I mean, again, these are not naturopathic studies, right? These are conventional medicine. This is real studies. You know, that people, I, I should say real in air quotes that people would consider real. Um, you know, because I mean, I look at the European research and, and they're showing that the, 
farmers and the people that work in the fields that spray this glyphosate or that pick the crops have a much higher rate of infertility. And that correlates as well. And they have a much higher rate of cancer. So I would say what happens is we eat these foods and then they actually destroy the gut bacteria inside of ourselves, which then leads to a dysbiotic environment, intestinal permeability, which then allows protein to spill through, which then exacerbates the immune system that can then affect everything from the neurological to the brain to the whatever. So in my opinion, there's more flame retardant sprayed on everything. There's more cars, there's more brake dust. There's all of these things. So it's a gradual industrialization that is essentially polluting our environment and we can't keep up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree when I go and I use my EMF meter and I don't talk about this a lot, but I mean, even even the bed that I had previously has coil springs in it and it was too close. And I'm like, what in my bed would possibly be sending off these electromagnetic frequencies? And I'm like, oh, it has coils. And the coils mm -hmm. are just beaming off some other thing that's creating waves. And now I'm getting those waves into my body while I sleep. So when I saw that, I, I said, okay, this is, this is kind of like one of those last straws where I need, to, I need to somehow allow for at least eight hours at night of downtime where I'm detoxifying and allowing my body to regenerate through processes such as autophagy um, that's helping to kill cancer cells and clean my body. Yeah, that's, um, I noticed the same thing with the coil springs and like we moved into a new place fully furnished and left everything behind in Chicago and, um, and the readings were higher than I'd like in the bed and switched to a coil-free bed, all organic um, and took care of the problem. And like, Within two nights, I noticed improvements in my sleep scores. Um, then I threw the I threw a mag, mag, magnet-based sleeping pad underneath the mattress, and that ramped it up again. Um, but that's great. So glyphosate, and you're talking about like Monsanto's Roundup, yes? I am. That's that's the main one that we think about. There are others, uh, but that's the main one. And um, you know, just honestly, you don't even have to know all the names, but you do have to understand that a lot of the the foods not only have the um, glyphosate on it, but they have these waxes on your produce, especially like apples and other things with the skin, and that allows it to actually stay. We'll call it fresher again, air quotes, longer. So these these fruit they're finding. You have to if you literally pour them under boiling water, you can see the wax start to wear away. And it's very disturbing because they're calling it food-based wax, but that's not necessarily true at all. And these things are not FDA regulated. So in my opinion, uh, yeah, it's what we're doing to our food supply as well. That's certainly um, creating a lot of those toxins. Ayurvedic medicine, they call it AMA. You know, all food creates toxins in your body. That's what we have to understand. But now if we make that food more toxic, now we have even more toxins in our body. We to, no, uh, so here's the big thing. Yes, it creates toxicity in our body, which affects our immune system. But really, we're talking about long-term health. And if your gut is not healthy, and these glyphosates destroy a lot of the gut bacteria, just like drinking tap water with fluoride and chlorine in it, you're wiping out your first line of defense. And if your first line of defense composes or comprises 80% of your immune system, well, I mean, you're going to be in tough shape. And the other issue I always say is the problem is that it doesn't happen overnight. If you ate the food and got sick, you'd say, okay, I'm never going to eat that again. But it usually takes months or years to build up. Yeah, it's this, it's this slow erosion that often keeps it outside of our conscious awareness. Um, what do you do when you're going through airport security? You were talking about being scanned and things like that. Do you yeah, go through? Is it not something you sweat? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so I, and I, I travel quite a bit, whether it's speaking and going to conferences, all these things. So the issue is I used to say, no, I, I just want the you know, hand one. I don't want to go through this, you know, spinny thing, which is essentially an x-ray. 
But the problem is, like most people, I just like, okay, now I'm going to wait 10 more minutes for yeah. someone to come over. They freeze you out. Do that. And like, it's <laughs> insane. So I go through it. And what I say to myself is that I'm going to do everything that I can in my life that I can control, which is my food. And I'm going to run lab tests. I'm going to do all those things to make sure I'm doing the right thing. I'm going to sweat. And, if, um, and, and then for the things that I can't really control... Uh, or choose not to, which is one of those areas, then I'm not going to sweat it. I'm not even going to think about it because the stress alone will cause immune-based dysfunction. Totally agree with that. Yeah, that's that's been a big shift in the in the past couple of years is just like how much our own, you know, self, self-imposed self stress has a negative health implication, even if we're trying to do everything, you know, like ac- ac- taking taking action in a productive direction, it's the mindset throws us off. And this... Um, there's even like a lack of self-acceptance underlying a lot of things that I think can contribute. Um, so for someone who's like EMFs, electromagnetic fields, I'm not even sure what you guys are talking about. What's the one thing that most people could do to reduce their exposure that you think has the biggest impact? The biggest impact for me is always data. And that's why when I meet with someone, I talk with someone, or they just literally visit our website or listen to podcasts, whatever it might be, I always say to them, just just get some data so that you can see that these people aren't making it up, right? Because there's always this underlying thing like, oh, well, that's not true or it doesn't affect me. So, you know, for me, it's lab testing. But when it comes to EMFs, it's get an EMF meter. Like, I mean, I'm sure you can link one up in the show notes. It's just purchase mm-hmm. one. And mm-hmm. the reason is then you can go around your house and you can actually see what's giving off these EMFs. And that was, a, again, that's a big turning point because you can't deny that. You're picking up magnetic frequencies. And those magnetic frequencies on a higher level, like let's just say um, MRIs or something like that, you know how they're affecting your body. Well, on a lower level, they're affecting us every single day in the ways our cells communicate. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing I'd like to say too is I had no idea that the baby monitor that I was using in my girl's room and the noise, the white noise machine gave off more EMFs than almost anything else in my house. And it was two feet from their bed, which was disturbing. I had no, just no idea. So that's why this type of information I think is just really, really powerful. So did I get rid of them? No, but I moved them 10 feet away from their beds, you know, or eight feet away from their beds so that I can say I can still use them. But when I'm walking four feet away, five feet away, and I'm near their bed and I'm, I'm checking everything, it's not to the same degree, which it would be right on their body. Same with if they're using some type of electronic device, you can use a blocker. So I'm just a big fan of data. I'm a big fan of proving to people, here's exactly what's going on. Yeah, that's um, sage advice. And having the EMF meter, so I have, I have a Cornet tri-mode meter. It's far from the best on, uh, on the market, but just the other day, I'll pull it out periodically just to kind of like walk through the house and make sure I'm good. And I come into my office and on one side of the office wall, it's, it's putting out, you know, 40, um, nanogram. What is it? Um, I'm, I'm forgetting the unit of measurement for a radio frequency, but, um, it was basically putting out the equivalent of being on the cell phone and I couldn't figure out why. And then I realized that, after like walking around and checking a few things, the TV was plugged in and we have a smart TV that, you know, came with the fully furnished house. And even just being plugged in, this thing is constantly pinging, looking for a signal. And it's about the equivalent of being on the cell phone. So I'm like, I need to physically go unplug this TV when we're not watching it so that I'm not exposed to that. Well, and that, that's, that's the, the issue. And the scary thing is that I, I honestly believe in the future too, it's, it's almost going to be inescapable except in your own home. 
And, uh, and then even then, because of smart meters that they're using the outside of your house to beam back power usage. And then if you live within, um, you know, neighbors, close to neighbors, like I, I live in the city right now. And we're honestly thinking, I mean, I, so in my just block, everyone's in condos. So there's probably five units per condo and they're all lined up. There's a thousand internet routers just within maybe, I would say literally a hundred feet. That's it. I mean, a hundred feet. You're yeah. getting all of those going on with businesses and, and all of those things. So um, yeah, when you're looking at those microwatts and, and you're, you're kind of looking at, you know, what's going on and you're saying, wow, like, how is this happening? Um, you don't have to get, I always tell people, don't get overwhelmed by it, but do what you can and do what you can yes. in every facet of your life. So always tell people, I'm going to do everything I can. And if I get, if I get a sickness, if I get an illness, if anything happens to me, I'm not going to have any regrets because I can say to myself, I did everything I could. And I wasn't perfect, but I can't be perfect. I still, nine out of 10 of my meals are good and I still enjoy a good cheat meal. There's no doubt about that. And I'm not going to stop because I enjoy it. So that's my happy medium. And I'm, I'm going to look back and I'm going to say no regrets at all. I, you know, I feel great now and I, no worries. Yeah. And uh, you and I enjoyed a nice cheat meal with some, uh, we had some tacos in California. That's right. Um, pseudo cheat meal. Yeah. Pseudo cheat meal. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. So milliwatts per meter squared was the unit of measurement. It was like, it was around 40 to 50 milliwatts per meter squared, which is, which is pretty high. Um, for glyphosate, the, the herbicide, um, what's the best way to, for people to avoid their exposure to that? So the, the best thing in my opinion is to go to your local farmer's market Go to localharvest.org. It's a free website. I believe it's a nonprofit website, but I'm not po positive about that. But you can find local farmers markets in any city. Even in the winter here, like in Boston, there's still local farmers markets. There are a lot of times indoors. Um, and you can get foods. You can talk with your local farmer. You can see how they raise or produce the food. Um, and then you can find really good, clean, organic foods. A lot of times heirloom varieties that haven't been hybridized. And I post about that, you know, on Instagram too, as I talk to people like, listen, if every single apple and every single carrot looks exactly the same, you're not getting a true, powerful, natural-based food. Um, your food should look strange. It should be warped. The vegetables and carrots should look ugly. Um, ugly food is the way to go. And, and just making sure uh, that you're trying to eat organic as much as possible. If not, look up the Dirty Dozen and make sure that when you look up the Dirty Dozen that you make a list of that and you don't buy those conventional. So if you can only buy some organic, you're going to buy the dirty dozen organic because those are the ones where no matter what, you can't wash off, scrape off anything. Uh, those pesticides they actually get into the flesh of the fruit or vegetables. Very cool. And then let's uh, real quick touch on infections. What, what infections or, or toxins from within the body, whether we're talking parasitic, viral, fungal, um, any variety, have you seen overlooked that are having a negative impact on people's health? Yeah, hands down, there are not enough people right now running the organic acids test. Uh, it is my number one go-to. Uh, I like the hair tissue mineral analysis. I like a lot of other labs like the you know, um, uh, adrenal thyroid hormone-based panel, the saliva test. I mean, these are all tests that people can do at home, literally right at home. But the organic acids test- Is, is this Genova? This is actually a Great Plains lab. Okay. So they run the 75 biomarkers and the first page, which is the microbial organic acids test for the first page is looking at uh, yeast and fungal based markers. Now, here's the thing, why this is so important. By the time you get yeast, fungus, candida, whatever you want to call it to a lab, it's mostly dead. 
So the important thing to look at is its waste markers. And on an organic acids test, you're looking for things like citromalic acid. You're looking for arabinic acid, tartaric acid. What essentially I'm saying is you're looking for the waste of that thing so that you don't have to find it itself. If it's in mass quantity, you know that there's a lot of yeast overgrowth, fungal overgrowth. And even if that's your starting point, you know, well, how did yeast overgrow in the first place? Well, it grew in the first place because the uh, small intestine or colon was habitable or hospitable um, to allowing that yeast to overgrow. So then we're also looking at, okay, well, what might not also be balanced? And again, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, SIBO, is just way overlooked. It honestly is. And then that leads to the intestinal permeability. And by running a lab like this, you can start to see that if you don't correct the gut, if you don't correct the nervous system, if you don't work on detoxification, replacing those deficiencies, and again, the organic acids test will tell you all of your vitamin levels for your B vitamins, your vitamin C, um, but it looks at it from the right way, meaning you can't, you, people have to stop looking at their blood work, honestly. Look at it once a year, look at it every six months, great. Your blood work is a homeostatic fluid. It's going to look great until you're really too far gone and you can't make that the first place. So if something's wrong with your blood work, well, fine, fix that. But you have to keep an eye on these subclinical labs uh, that are assessing gut function, that are assessing hormone function so that you don't have issues in the future. So that in five years from now, you know, you don't run a blood work lab test and your PCP is like, wow, you know, you might have an autoimmune issue. You might have cancer. You might have all these things. Nothing happens overnight. It is a slow accumulation and breakdown of the body. And this is just one lab to test that. Yeah. It's, it's a big shift in mindset from like not getting sick to maintaining optimal health, or at least a state of health where you feel like you're doing as much as you can. These tests exist and they're, they're accessible to all of us. Um, if someone said, Stephen, I've got 900 bucks. What are a couple tests that I absolutely need? You mentioned the organic acids. Is that one of them? The organic acids test is definitely one of them. And then I would probably run a hair tissue mineral analysis to look for heavy metals. Who do you well. get that from? That we use analytical research labs. Uh, Trace Elements is also good. I like analytical research labs and, uh, because they give you literally a 30-page book on you and your results. And I love data. So again, in my practice, I'd prefer to, re I'd prefer to like refer to myself as a, a teacher or an educator because mm -hmm. the bottom line is I can give someone a plan, but if they don't know why they're doing it, they're less likely to implement it. They're not going to be as consistent and they're going to think that it's, oh, well, this is just for three weeks and then I'm going to go switch back to whatever I was doing. Yeah. And I'm not saying you can't live life how you want to, but what, I'm in, what I am saying is <laughs> there need to be some adaptations that take place over about 12 weeks. And that's because over 12 to 16 weeks, you'll replace all of your red blood cells. You'll become stronger. Um, you'll become more vibrant. You can heal the guts. And, and that's, you know, that's really what it's all about. Now, there are a couple others that, that people may decide to use and uh, that would be a thyroid adrenal hormone panel that looks at um, not just TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone, but actually looks at T4, T3, TPO to see if there is any autoimmune-based issues. It tests vitamin D. Um, it looks at, what else does it look at? It looks at cortisol throughout the day to look at your diurnal rhythm. If you're producing cortisol properly and at the right time, it looks at testosterone, progesterone, DHEA, and estrogen. It also looks at insulin and hemoglobin A1C. So now you're talking about everything that could really go wrong with your hormones and blood sugar. That's an amazing lab. Um, another lab that's really overlooked. Who's, who's that from? That's ZRT. There's a bunch of labs that do that, but um, ZRT is one lab. Cool. And um, 
you know, maybe I can, uh, we can set up a show notes page. I can just do it, you know, as well. And just with links to everything since this <laughs> is, a, yeah, it's kind this of is great. Curious, so yeah, I um, like it. <laughs> if, if we go to stevencabral.com forward slash Anthony, I'll just make sure that everything's there. But I do want to, I always like to just give people the, the intel. They can just go search it out as well. Yeah. Just to know that, I mean, again, like these things are being done every day by functional medicine practitioners, by naturopathic doctors and, um, and, and coaches like yourself as well. Cause I know uh, that you're into all of these lab tests and, and have helped a lot of people yourself, which is amazing. I've read your book. It's fantastic. Thank um, you, sir. So, so, but the omega-3 test, uh, people are always guessing, you know, do I need omega-3s? Are they good for me? Are they bad for me? Well, the bottom line is you can test that. You can run an omega-3 test. Uh, I, the, the company is escaping me, the one that we use, but again, there are a lot. And you can look at your arachidonic levels to um, your EPA levels. Why do I mention those two? Because here's why. Arachidonic acid is the most inflammatory. EPA is the most anti-inflammatory. Yes, DHA is best for the brain and, nerve, and um, nervous system. Yes. But EPA is the most inflammatory. And if we're dealing with an inflammation-based issue and we want to modulate cytokines or inflammation in the short term, EPA is typically what's most efficient. Again, I lab test from a clinical perspective and we've done over 250,000 appointments. So I have just tons of data that shows me both are important, DHA, ALA, EPA, but people are most efficient in EPA. And then you can customize your level. So essentially what I'm saying is that, um, and food sensitivity testing, but what I'm saying is all these things could then give you your perspective on what you need to do as an individual, we call this bio-individuality, to optimize your body. And you know, when we're talking about hacking the body, what we're really talking about is, again, replacing deficiencies and removing toxicities. And I also like to say, we're not doing more than we have to. Because there's a million things you could do. Why not figure out the, you know, 10 things that you should do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, and I love it. And we'll, so we'll link to all of these in the show notes. I'm interested in, in the food sensitivity testing that you've found to be most helpful because some of them, I, I've had clients that have gotten certain food sensitivity testing and it'll say they're allergic to papaya. And they're like, I love papaya. I've eliminated it from my diet for 28 days, reintroduced it, ate a whole freaking papaya and felt great. And right. it's, it's made me question some of the, um, the accuracy of certain tests out there. What, what have you found to be the best? Yeah, no, it's a really great question. I actually want to try to explain why that would happen because it happens in our practice quite a bit as well. So you can test people from two main ways. There are other main ways, but the two main ways are an IgE sensitivity and an IgG. So when you eat a food that you have an IgE sensitivity, um, you would get hives or brain fog, moodiness, any type of overt symptom within minutes to hours. Okay. So, you know, like if someone eats, let's just say muscles. So for example, my wife, she eats muscles and all of a sudden she literally gets hives. She gets uh, blotchiness on her cheeks, her ears turn red. And I'm like, why do you keep eating muscles? And she loves muscles. <laughs> so essentially that's an IgE reaction. And we don't Sounds test like me. Those. <laughs> and, and the reason we don't test from this is because people know. I mean, you don't, don't keep eating muscles, right? So, but what people don't know are the IgG reactions. And that's because what happens is two days later, you can actually have a reaction. But it's not the same hives or whatever. What it is, is it's this low-grade low inflammation that compounds then the current autoimmune, bloating, whatever else you might have. So what I'm saying is when that person ate papaya, Sure, they could feel fantastic because it was an IgG reaction, which means 24 to 72 hours later, their body built up some type of inflammation from a response to the protein in that papaya. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. yeah. Makes a ton of sense. So your big tests, organic acids, hair tissue mineral analysis, thyroid adrenal hormone panel, omega-3 test, food sensitivity test. 
I call it my big five. Yep. If you can run those. And so obviously it's a little bit more expensive, um, but you can also choose the ones that work for you. But honestly, the big five, those are the ones that I run on myself. Those are the ones that I recommend to family, private wellness clients, you know, entrepreneurs, anybody who wants to look deep into their health. That's it. Now, after you correct those, then comes everything else. People do genetic testing right away. They do tailor-made testing. All of those are fantastic. But why not get your body healthy first and then look at, well, okay, what's my specific genome look like? What do we need to worry about in the future? Because mm-hmm. that's not going to change. And mm-hmm. then also, what, what's my telomere age? Okay, your telomere age is essentially your biological age of how quickly you're aging from an oxidation-based process, essentially, versus your um, chronological, chronological age, which is how old you are actually birthday celebrated-wise. So, you know, those to me are nice to do after, but, but I would honestly invest in what you should do now to be optimized. Yeah, the, the company Tello Years sent me one of their kits and then I, you know, I pricked myself and sent it back and I guess my sample was damaged in the Florida heat or something. So then they sent me another one and I'm going to do that, but I haven't done it yet. Have you done the, the Telomere testing? Yes, and we, and we like that company as well. Yeah, that's a good company. Um, they do a blood um, uh, poke of the finger just with a lancet yeah. rather than saliva and they're looking at the leukocytes, the white blood cells. So yeah, I, I think it's good and I, I do like it. Cool. I'm, I'm excited to do that. It's just been, it's been sitting on a table for a week and a half. Last question. Um, cause I know you got to run and this has been, I mean, this has been one of those conversations that I think is pretty, um, pretty, pretty full of gold nuggets and people will listen to it a couple of times. Um, daily or weekly habits that you employ for detoxification. So I think hands down, everyone should be doing an intermittent fast, but then we get into the debate of how long should that fast be? And so that's when it really comes down to body type, bioindividuality, age, and sex. So meaning that everyone should be doing... Now, again, when I say everyone, I mean there's always a 1% contraindication. So everyone should be doing a 12-hour overnight fast from essentially 7 at night to 7 in the morning, 6 at night, 6 in the morning, 8 at night to 8 in the morning, somewhere around there, a couple hours before bed. Um, the closer it gets dark, better, closer to dark, the better to stop eating. And definitely a couple hours before 10 o'clock, get yourself into bed by 10 o'clock. We can go into that another time, maybe a part two um, of why you want to do that, you know, for the circadian rhythm. But what you want to do is you want to allow 12 hours of anabolism, of essentially detoxification and rejuvenation. And you don't want your body using energy to break down foods and again, having more toxins come in the body. So that's key. That is absolutely crucial um, of something that I recommend. And that will let your body do its own natural detoxification, given that you have the proper amount of vitamins, minerals, amino acids, etc. So that comes to my point two. My point two is I like people to have a light breakfast, okay? I did a podcast on this talking about how it's really only been maybe 100 years or so since we developed this thing that we call an American breakfast. And if you go over to Europe and other places, they actually call it an American breakfast because it's not (laughs) known around the world as an actual breakfast. Nobody sits down in other countries really to eat sausages. And, you know, and and I I know that this is like a big paleo thing and I'm not against paleo because I actually believe that paleo is is not paleo. It's a normal diet. uh, Without It's it's one of those appealing aspects of paleo that helps convert people. Wait, yes. I get to have a ton of bacon for breakfast? Bacon three times a day, right? I'm yeah. not sure that that's paleo. I don't know if our ancestors were actually sitting down at paleo 
three times a day. I mean, sitting down to meet three times a day. Uh, but that's a, that's a story for another, uh, another time. Um, but what I'm saying is the breakfast. So in, in a lot of Asian comp- uh, countries, it, and again, I studied all over India and, and Europe and Sri Lanka and China. And a lot of times it's soup um, or it is um, something very light for the system. I, I recommend a smoothie. And the rec- reason I recommend a smoothie is that people are chronically dehydrated. You can't, you literally can't make enough blood without water. Your plasma is 90% water. So we need to flush the kidneys. We need to flush the liver. You've most likely went 10 hours without having a glass of water, if you could think about that. Like, so your body's dehydrated. It doesn't need more coffee for energy. It needs water. So a smoothie makes it more palatable. Then you can add in your favorite uh, protein, whether it's vegan or whatever you like to use. Um, I like a lot of hypoallergenic things first thing in the morning. And I like to put in some low glycemic berries, some greens powder if you want, or some veggies. Just You want to literally power pack your body with as much nutrition as you can in the morning. Now, What's your go-to protein powder? We, well, we have our own, so I'm obviously biased. Ours is the daily nutritional support. But what it is, I always tell people, listen to what I'm saying and then do whatever you feel is right for you, meaning that it's an all-in-one. So it contains all of your multivitamins, all of your minerals, all of your antioxidants, and some liver detox all-in-one shake powder. What's the reason? Well, I know people are time crunched. I know they're busy. And I always understand that if I could just give you one thing for the day that would give you everything you need, let's just do that. And then put in some wild blueberries, put in some, keep things frozen. You know, and yes, fresh is great, but it's not convenient. So put in a cup or two of your wild berries, then throw in a handful of spinach if you would like. I'll get into food combined in another time and why it doesn't apply as much for smoothies. Um, and then put in like your you know, your MCTs, if you want, whatever you want a little bit and put in 16 to 20 ounces of water, just load that up with water. And then again, you can put in your fiber, whatever you want, but load it up with that. And then you're going to drink this over a 90 minute period of time. You're going to super saturate your body with hydration and fuel. And I'm telling you without having to break down your body uses 30% of energy for digestion. So if you're drinking something that's already been pre-digested, I'm telling you right now, your energy is going to go through the roof. And if you do that until breakfast, then then lunch, I should say through breakfast, lunch will be your first main meal. So it's a twist on intermittent fasting using liquid before lunch. It's honestly, it's one of the main recommendations I give to people. And I believe that it's one of those things that if people just did that, they would see a tremendous difference in their life. Beautiful. Yeah. And I've noticed in terms of like cutting off food around nighttime, if I don't do that, my sleep scores tank, especially deep sleep, which is like, you know, physical rejuvenation. And more than anything else that I've done to, to hack my sleep, just <laughs> cutting off food two to three hours before bed has had the biggest impact. So that's, that's huge. I love that smoothie advice too. Steven, this is awesome, man. What, uh, for, what are you working on right now that you're excited about and where can people keep up with, uh, check out your supplements and, and you know, new, new books and products and programs that you're releasing? So my main hub is Stephen Cabral, and it's just Stephen with a PH. That's where everything is kind of um, happening, book and and everything. But you know, my main passion really is is my podcast as well. It's called the Cabral Concept, and what that does is allows me to teach. And really, that's honestly uh, where I feel I'm like in my where I'm at in my practice right now is just trying to 
help people understand that this is a lifelong journey and you don't need to figure everything out tomorrow. Um, yes, you can start with lab testing. You can start with the smoothing and start with all those things, but it doesn't have to end. And, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm getting into it each and every year to an even higher degree. Whenever there's a new lab test, I'm studying it. I'm going into it. I'm like, okay, why are we using this? Does it make sense? Should I implement it in my own life? And that's the thing. Like, this could be a lot of fun. This does not have to be overwhelming. This does not have to be stressful. Get yourself healthy first. Because what I found right now is that if I can help someone get their body healthy, if I can give them back their energy, all of a sudden, it helps the mind as well. Now, mm. all those affirmations you're doing, the visualization, everything yes. that you want comes so much easier because it's not a struggle. Like You actually have the energy to put all of that ambition, drive, and visualization to work. And so I try to teach that on my show. It's a daily show. It's about 20 minutes long, and, and it's called The Cabral Concept. Beautiful, beautiful. Check out The Cabral Concept, stephencabral.com. My friend, this has been amazing. I know you got to run as well, but uh, assuming we can make it happen and the listeners want to hear it, I'd love to sync up again for a part two and we can dig deeper on some of this stuff. That would be great. I appreciate it. And also, uh, again, like big fan of your work. Really appreciate you having me on. And anybody who hasn't checked out the Biohackers Guide and you did not tell me to say that, uh, should definitely (laughs) do that. I enjoyed reading it myself and got a lot out of it. Thank you, brother. And that's, that's free right now at biohackersguide.com. Steven, I appreciate you, my man. We'll, uh, we'll be in touch and talking soon. All right. Thank you. Hey guys, Anthony again. And if you enjoyed today's episode or have gotten value from any episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show, please head over to iTunes and give us a review. Let us know what you think. Even though I don't have the opportunity to reply to every single one of those, I do read all of them and they mean the world because that's those reviews are what help people find our podcast and help get this information to more people like you and I who love to nerd out on this stuff. And, uh, step into the best version of themselves and live that life of a high performer. So head on over to iTunes, Biohacking Secret Show, leave a review, let us know what you think. And if you don't already have your copy of the Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus, we're giving away a few more for free. We've done over 30,000 copies worldwide, and you can get that for a limited time at biohackersguide.com. 